Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I've had a whole lot of people suggest this story to me, and um, it's a story that I've actually covered before, uh, but it's an update on a story, and it's one of these court cases that just seemingly will never end. And most of us who look at the story go, we know how this should be decided. But it's now gone to the Michigan Supreme Court a second time. Uh, the Court of Appeals has uh, played around with it for a while. But it has to do with uh, cars and or junk in someone's backyard, which explains why Jalopnik covered it. <laughs> a lot of people sent it to me because they said, hey, Steve, Jalopnik uh, did a story on this. And it's in Michigan. I also used to write for Jalopnik. I love those people. So here's the story uh, from Michigan Lawyers Weekly. I got the story from them, but it's widely reported, including on Jalopnik. Kelly Kaplan wrote this. Uh, the Supreme Court asked for second look at drone case. This is the Michigan State Supreme Court. A long-standing battle involving a township's use of a drone to take aerial photographs of a northern Michigan couple's property without a warrant is headed back to the Michigan Supreme Court. Last October, the Michigan Court of Appeals held in that case that the township could use aerial photos of a couple's property as evidence in a civil action against the couple for violating a zoning ordinance. So that's a huge distinction in this case because the township is saying that they're in violation of a civil zoning ordinance, which is not a criminal action. And they're saying that if this is a criminal action, you might be able to exclude the evidence. But since it's a civil action, it doesn't count the same way. And I think that reasoning is flawed, but the courts have held that way previously. So a judge said the exclusionary rule did not apply in this civil matter, and that even if the township violated the couple's constitutional rights, suppression of the photos was not supported. The two-to-one published decision affirmed the original ruling from the Grand Traverse County Circuit Court. Grand Traverse County is up there. Beautiful part of the country, my friends. Visit it if you can. Now, the justices have ordered argument to address two key issues. If the township violated the couple's Fourth Amendment rights by using an unmanned drone to take aerial photos of their property for use in a zoning and nuisance enforcement, and then, if so, does the exclusionary rule apply to this dispute? So they're basically saying, look, everyone knows what happened. These people have got a yard that you cannot see into from ground level. So the township suspected these people might have something going on in their backyard that violates the zoning ordinance. So they got a drone, launched it, flew it over the property, took some pictures, and then came back and took them to court civilly and said, these photographs are the evidence we want to use against you. And the couple says, you should have gotten a warrant to do the drone overflight. And since you didn't do that, this stuff should be excluded from evidence. And in a criminal case, okay, just a general criminal case, if law enforcement gathers evidence without a warrant and they're found to have done so wrongfully, one of the remedies is to exclude the evidence. They call it the exclusionary rule. And the point is that if this violates this couple's rights, but the evidence is not excluded, then the rule has no meaning. Because why would anybody bother getting a warrant if they know they don't need one? Because without one, eh, we're breaking a rule, but there's no remedy. 
And some people will often tell you that the laws are meaningless unless they contain remedies. Meaning that if there's a rule on the books, but no one gets in trouble for breaking it, why is the rule there? So we'll get there. Meanwhile, the court also invited amicus briefs from anybody who is interested in this, and the Institute for Justice has filed an amicus brief. In 2018, Long Lake Township brought a civil action for a zoning ordinance violation against this couple. Aerial photographs taken over the years showed a significant increase in the amount of junk being stored on their five-acre parcel, which is in violation of a 10-year-old settlement agreement, according to the township. So as I recall from this case, the township had approached these people years ago and said, you guys have got problems with too much junk back here, behind your, behind your house. So I'm not sure when the privacy fence went up, but somewhere along the line, the privacy fence went up. But the couple did agree and said, we will not add to the collection in the back. And that was the agreement. And so then the township came by, flew the drone over and said, oh, it appears you've added to your collection. Therefore, you're in violation of this agreement. And of course, the couple is saying, without that drone overflight, how would anybody know? And by the way, that is an important point. Because when the city or township or the municipality comes at you and says, hey, look, you're in violation of this ordinance. And a lot of these ordinances are not black and white. So they'll actually have a blight ordinance, for instance, to say you cannot let your property become blighted. Blighted. Um, how do you measure that? Well, it's an eyesore. Okay, you realize that an eyesore is in the eye of the beholder, right? So if I were to walk around your house and see that car up on blocks, rusting in the weather, I wouldn't consider that an eyesore. I'd consider that a barn find, minus the barn. But to me, it'd be like, whoa, that's cool. But we all know that there's people out there who complain about everything. So the question then becomes, what exactly is the violation? Who's it harming? Especially when you realize that to observe the offensive thing requires an overflight with a drone. And that looks to me like somebody who's going out of their way to be offended. And we've heard of people who do this. That if you simply minded your own business, you wouldn't be upset. But I flew a drone over their backyard and I saw things. Okay, don't fly the drone over their yard, you won't see those things. I'm just... <laughs> So the couple launched a flurry of objections. They moved to suppress the photos and the evidence that the township acquired from its illegal search of their property. Now, using a drone to take photos and conduct aerial surveillance of property constituted an unlawful search in violation of the Fourth Amendment, according to their arguments. And they also say that there may have been violations of FAA regulations. And this is because very little, if any, of their property is visible from the ground. But because it was visible from above, the township said, well, you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. And a lot of people are going to argue about this. I don't even want to go there today. Got too much important stuff to talk about otherwise. <laughs> the Grand Traverse County Circuit Court agreed that there was no expectation of privacy because these things were visible from the sky. They denied the motion to suppress, adding that the FAA regulations are safety rules. And it had nothing to do with the Fourth Amendment. And so the couple did file an appeal. But they've gone back and forth. But originally, they won and said our holding today is highly unlikely to preclude any legitimate government inspection or enforcement action short of outright fishing expeditions. 
If a government entity has any kind of non-trivial and objective reason to believe there would be flying a drone over a person's property, then we trust the entity will probably be able to persuade a court to grant a warrant or equivalent permission to conduct a search. As I've pointed out repeatedly, when you have a situation where somebody got evidence without a warrant, always ask yourself, would they have been able to get a warrant if they'd wanted to? And if the answer to that is yes, why didn't they? Because remember, I've said before, you can get a warrant fairly easily if you've got basis for it. And so they just go to court and get the warrant. But the question is, what evidence did they have? Had there been complaints from people who said they could actually see this stuff from the ground? Had they gotten complaints from people flying over the property looking down? What, 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 What basis did they have? And you and I both know that the odds are that what they had was a suspicion. They had a suspicion. They had a hunch. They, they, they thought there might be something going on, and how do we check? Well, we do it with a drone. But you couldn't get a warrant based on a hunch or a suspicion, not if you admitted that was the real thing. So meanwhile, there was a dissent there who said, while she was also deeply concerned about the particularly intrusive nature of drones as compared to other aircraft, those concerns weren't enough to sidestep the precedent by which we are bound. Now, the Michigan Supreme Court granted leave to appeal in April of 2022, directing the township to address whether it violated the Fourth Amendment rights by using an unmanned drone to take aerial photographs of the property for use in a zoning and nuisance enforcement. But in May, the justices reversed course and said the earlier order doesn't count. And instead, they vacated the appellate judgment and remanded the case. And they asked the Court of Appeals to address the additional issue of whether the exclusionary rule applies in a civil action versus a criminal action. And then they noted the U.S. Supreme Court has repeatedly rejected the use of the exclusionary rule in civil cases. United States Supreme Court has explained the purpose of the exclusionary rule is twofold. To deter police conduct that is bad, and of course this isn't the police, this is the zoning people. And to provide a remedy where no other remedy is available. When analyzed under the federal or the Michigan Constitution, suppression of the drone evidence does not serve these goals. Well, it doesn't serve the first goal, but it would provide a remedy because there is no other remedy. That's the point. And so in case you're wondering why I keep saying that, is if you get back to what the Fourth Amendment says, it says the right of the people to be secure in their person, place, things, and all that stuff. It says there's a prohibition against unreasonable searches and seizures. No warrants shall issue but upon probable cause. Does not say for the police. It does not say in criminal actions only. It says the right of the people. The right of the people. And there's a prohibition against unreasonable searches and seizures. Does not say for the police. And this is a great example, I think, of of courts overthinking something. Because I've talked before about how statutes, when you read them, the first thing you do is give it a plain language reading. Read it and see what it says. And then if there's ambiguity or something like that or conflict between sections, then you can start getting into arguing statutory construction. 
But when I read the Fourth Amendment, and it simply says the right of the people to be secure, okay, I'm a people, uh, I have the right to be secure, and there's a prohibition against unreasonable searches and seizures. And the Constitution oftentimes is simply defining the limits of the government's reach. But it doesn't say this section only applies to law enforcement or only applies to police. It doesn't say that. And so I suspect that a long time ago, some Supreme Court justice was writing an opinion on the Fourth Amendment and mentioned the police because the police were part of that particular case. And the Fourth Amendment usually pops up with police. But here we have an action by the government, and they're doing something that arguably violates the Fourth Amendment. And so if they violate the Fourth Amendment, this would not be something that would deter police misconduct, but it would deter inappropriate conduct by the government. And think about the absurdity of this. They're saying it's possible that the Fourth Amendment says a police officer cannot run a drone over your property without a warrant, but the municipality can because they're not the police. And the distinction is that when you go to court, you're not facing a criminal action, you're facing a civil action. So I'm not sure if I see that distinction as being appropriate. Um, Michigan law is in sync with this limited approach. And that limited approach says that the Supreme Court precedent about the use of the exclusionary rule in civil cases can be succinctly summarized as follows. It only applies in forfeiture actions when the thing being forfeited as a result of a criminal prosecution is worth more than the criminal fine that might be assessed. Okay, I didn't see that in the Fourth Amendment. Um, I'll go back and look later. So Michigan law is in sync with this limited approach, and the state constitution includes a provision that restricts application of the rule, saying in pertinent part that the provisions of this section shall not be construed to bar from evidence in any criminal proceeding any narcotic, drug, firearm, bomb, explosive, or any other dangerous weapon seized by a peace officer outside the curtilage of any dwelling house in this state. So they're saying, well, our Constitution appears to be talking about criminal stuff. Okay, that's great. Um, just because we have a state Constitution does not mean the U.S. Constitution does not apply. Uh, they overlap. And so sometimes our state Constitution is more specific, and sometimes it's not. So there you go. But again, I would lean heavily on the Fourth Amendment. Using this language in prior case law, they said that the question to be answered was if there was a compelling reason to expand the exclusionary rule to civil zoning actions. And the compelling reason is, yes, despite the fact you're calling it a civil action, most people say it's a distinction without a difference. And so right now, I assure you, there are people watching this video who are going, I still don't get what you're saying. Because this couple has been dragged into court in front of a judge. The other side of the aisle is somebody from the government who says they're in trouble. And they can get in trouble by way of fines and penalties. Uh, and you're saying the Fourth Amendment doesn't apply now. Why? Oh, because it's captioned as a civil action, not a criminal action. The case code is different. The exclusionary rule is intended to deter police misconduct, not that of lower-level bureaucrats who have little or no training in the Fourth Amendment. There is no likelihood that exclusion of the drone evidence in this matter will discourage the police from engaging in future misconduct since the police were not involved. 
okay. The rather exclusion of the drone evidence likely will deter a township employee who works in the zoning arena from ever again resorting to a drone to gather evidence of a zoning violation. And that's not a purpose of the exclusionary rule, the court wrote. But here's the problem. Are you really telling me that because they won't understand the law, we won't hold them to it? You understand that the municipality has a lawyer. There's a township lawyer. There's somebody on their staff who is a lawyer, whether directly employed by the township or simply on call. There is an attorney for the township. And so all they got to do is sit down with the attorney and go, okay, what's going on here? And the attorney will take five minutes and say, by the way, uh, if you're going to do some kind of overflight of something uh, that is not visible from the street, uh, you better have a good reason for it and otherwise perhaps get a warrant. Uh, and I'm, I'm purposely simplifying that to point out how absurd it is to suggest that nobody who works in the city could ever understand that. So the public's interest in zoning regulation enforcement vastly outweighs the benefit of suppressing the evidence, the court said. Despite it being roundly criticized, the exclusionary rule is an essential tool for enforcing the meaning of the Fourth Amendment and discouraging law enforcement officers from trampling on constitutional rights. But it's not just law enforcement officers. We don't want anyone from the government trampling on our rights. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. The police, yes, they understand it. The zoning officers could never understand it. So here, the object of the state officials who allegedly violated the rights of the couple was not to penalize the couple, but to abate a nuisance through the operation of equitable remedies. The proceedings are remedial, not punitive. The exclusionary rule was not intended to operate in this arena and serves no valuable function. Um, you understand that this is a great example of somebody who's just writing for the answer they want. Because I could write and say the object of the police who allegedly violated this person's rights was not to penalize them, but to solve a crime. Get a criminal off the street. It's not, or it's, Therefore, it's remedial, not punitive. I mean... So it's, it's silly, but, uh, and so then there was a dissent, but the point here is this, that the Supreme Court has now said they will take a second look at this. And the second look is going to focus on that narrow issue of whether or not the Fourth Amendment protects you against unreasonable searches and seizures without a warrant, uh, only when it's an actual police officer or a law enforcement officer in a criminal setting, or does it apply to government actors who might be trampling on your rights? And I think that if you took a straw poll and simply asked people and said, ah, you know, grab 100 people, have them read the Fourth Amendment and go, okay, does that keep the police from doing an unreasonable search and seizure? Yeah, it does. Would it keep a zoning officer from doing an unreasonable search and seizure. Most people say, yeah, it probably should. Yeah, why not? Why would they get to trample on your rights any differently than the police? I, and so this case right here, a lot of people are going to focus on the drone aspect of it. And drones right now are, are hot. They're in the news and all that stuff. So that's fine. Uh, and the argument about whether or not it's a violation uh, of the unreasonable search and seizure notwithstanding the civil versus criminal distinction. We're not even talking about that right now. The primary focus here is 
And they actually said, let's assume that it is. Let's, let's assume for a moment that this is an action where if it was a police officer, they needed to get a warrant. If they needed to get a warrant and they're a police officer, would they need to get a warrant if they are a non-police officer, but they're enforcing municipal code? That's the question. And so that question appears to be what's going to be brought up before the Michigan Supreme Court. And that's a huge issue. And so, like I said, the Institute for Justice has filed an amicus brief on this. A lot of other people will also. As you can imagine, I suspect the lobbying groups for the municipalities across Michigan and elsewhere are probably going to weigh in and say, no, 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 you can't hold us to those constitutional standards because those are for the police. So I know that the word drone is in the title of this article and probably in the title of my video, although I haven't created it yet. Uh, but really the issue here is simply, if they need a warrant to fly over the property as police, do they need a warrant to fly over the property as code enforcement? I think the answer to that should be yes. It should be yes. But as they pointed out, the U.S. Supreme Court has repeatedly said no, no, it's not, not required. And uh, the Michigan State Supreme Court up until now has said no, it's not required either. So then the real question becomes, can the Michigan State Supreme Court actually stand up and go, you know something, we're going to make this the rule here in Michigan? Or are they going to say, well, U.S. Supreme Court said this, we'll just fall in line with that. So we'll wait and see what happens, but a lot of people sent this. Thank you very much. Uh, the Jalopnik article was focusing on the fact that the conditions in this backyard involved a lot of cars. <laughs> so I saw some headlines talking about this guy's car collection causing all these troubles. But most of the articles I've seen have talked about junk piled up. And as I've mentioned before, what you consider junk, what I consider junk might be two different things. And a lot of people's junk is actually antiques or classics or collectibles. So that's not an issue here either. We're arguing about these very, very narrow issues. And one of them is simply that civil versus criminal distinction. So there you go. Stories from Michigan Lawyers Weekly. Kelly Kaplan wrote it. And a lot of people sent it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. You can't make more time. You can only spend it.